you know a lot about golf. Well, we're waiting. And it is us, those weekend golf guys. I am John Ashton in the studio. He is Jeff Smith in the hinterlands of the state of Kentucky, somewhere on an interstate, driving on his way back home again to Indiana. Back home again to Indiana. You know what? It's a little bit good and it's a little bit bad, right? Because Florida's beautiful. I get to teach for a week in Indiana now. All right. So a lot of fun to be had. Sounds good to me, man. How do you make the adjustment? I know because I, I was having lunch with a buddy of mine on Monday and we were supposed to play golf, but we got rained out. So we were just yeah. sitting at the Waffle House talking about stuff. One of the things he asked me was about grass. He said, <laughs> you know, he said, people have been talking to me about about if the grass is shiny, if the grass is dark, do this, do that. He said, how do you keep it all straight? I don't know. I'm not an agronomist. I don't know anything about grass. Well, you just got to have a little bit of common sense, right? So let's think about stuff. You're talking about grain. Mostly you're talking about it like on the greens, right? Right. Mostly, yeah. But it also is grainy, you know, off the green. But here we are. We're talking about that stinking Bermuda grass down south. <laughs> right? here's, here's a bunch of us northern folks. And. We're not overly enamored with Bermuda grass, especially around the green. We must be talking about the the grain and the greens and the stinking Bermuda grass from on the greens and a little bit off the greens too. Where all of a sudden you got to look at the grass and go, okay, what's going on here? Let's pay attention. If it's sunshiny out and you look at the grass and the grass is laying down and it's shiny. That means the grass is growing in the direction of your golf shot, in the direction of your golf swing, same direction. It's like laying down and you're not going to swing against which direction it's moving. Right. So think about that in terms of the hair on your head for a second. John, when you run your fingers through your hair and you go up the side of your head to the top, you're going against the way that your hair is laying down, correct? Correct. So that's got more resistance than if you were to take your hand and go down from the top down to the side, because that's the same direction it's going. Less resistance there. Okay. That making sense? Yeah. Well, so, okay. So let's say the grass is laying down and the sun is on it. And... Then all of a sudden you're looking at the blades of grass as it's growing away from you, which means less resistance. The ball will roll on the green faster. And if you're off the green and you're chipping with the grain, it's not going to grab your club like it would be the opposite direction. Gotcha. It's the opposite direction as you looked at the grass and it was laying down dark at your viewpoint that means it's growing against you and it would be growing against the the swing direction so the club would get grabbed and or the ball would get messed with a lot in terms of how slow it would go and how which direction that the grass would push it and that right there is one of the biggest reasons why the northern people when they go south 
they don't putt and chip well. <laughs> but the people who play a lot in the South, they factor that into every stinking shot they have. Yeah. Especially all those delicate ones around the greens. Yeah, because they're used to it. They understand. Yeah, they get it. You know, it was interesting. Just the other day, I was given a class uh, about chipping into the grain versus chipping with the grain. Oddly enough, the class was full because everybody wants to figure this out. Right. Because, you know, down there in South Florida, seasonally, you know where all the people come from? Up north. north. (laughs) (laughs) And And they're like... Yeah, how do I deal with this? So that's like a topic of a clinic. Yeah. And it always fills up because it's the worst kind of thing to happen. You get taught this shot like a long time ago, back in the day of early golfers, you know, 30 plus years ago, right? Not eons ago, but 30 plus years ago. A couple of guys, Phil Rogers and Paul Runyon, they they mastered this bump and run shot where the ball's back in your stance and the handle's leaning forward. And effectively what you're doing is taking all the bounce off a club and the leading edge is now angled down. Mm-hmm. And people just kind of took that information and said, oh, short game shot. Let's just move the ball back and do this because... One guy was taught it. The next guy was taught it. The next guy was taught it. Next thing you know, that's what they think about all that. And they don't sit there and, and go, wow, what do I have to deal with here? I want my ball to get up in the air, but I don't want my club to get grabbed and stopped and slowed. And I want my, I want it to be an easy shot. Well, the trouble with it, it, I want it to be an easy shot. The trouble is, is that the grass gets in the way. So then you got to learn how do I deal with the grass? And the answer is, stop doing it that way. Stop putting the ball back and leaning the handle forward because now the leading edge is angled down and you can't chip a ball into the grain where the grass is going to grab it with the leading edges down. It just makes it too easy for the grass to screw up your, your swing and your shot. That's why you so keep why hitting them fat, people. Yeah, they do. You know, it just makes me crazy that people just go with – okay, this is all I know to do because it's a short shot, so therefore I got to do this, but I can't play that kind of shot here. And like, look at, learn a different shot. Like, gosh, watch golf on TV for a minute and look at the other ways of doing it that they've all seen. What if you did the opposite of that for just a moment and you took, say, a wedge and you put the ball more forward and then you put the handle straight up and down, now all of a sudden you have this, this sole plate on the club, they call it the bounce, but it's the sole plate on the club and it slides and skids, right? Mm-hmm. And because it slides and skids, it doesn't grab. And all of a sudden, I've got some loft on it now and my ball pops up in the air. And I scuffed the grass, but I didn't have the leading edge down so it wouldn't dig. And that, that grain that grows against you did not affect it. Right. Now all of a sudden you're like, oh, that's so much easier. Yeah, because it is. It is. Or you oh. could, uh, instead of just doing the opposite to what you've been taught to do so far, you could go back a couple weeks on thoseweekendgolfguys.com, and you could listen to the episode uh, on the um, the the firm-wristed uh, scrape shot and the yes, hinge right. and thump shot. Yes. 
Does so that the is from what handed he is. scrape is is a great shot description for this one where everybody likes to call it the bump and run, mm-hmm. right? But in this firm handed scrape, the scrape part is the I'm getting my club to go scraping and scuffing across the surface, and you can't do that if the club is digging. So the leading edge cannot be down, folks. The leading edge has to be somewhat level to maybe just a teeny tiny bit up. Right. But that's it. Never really up because then you'll just blade it. Yeah. And we're not interested in that. So let's keep in mind what we're after here. A club that slides across the surface is good on any kind of short game shot. And again, thoseweekendgolfguys.com, go back a couple of weeks. I believe it was uh, two weeks ago. From from today or from from the the day this uh, this episode is is first heard, which will be at the um, what's the date coming up? Seventeenth, fourteenth, something like that. Yeah, I think it's the fourteenth. I think today yeah, is the fourteenth. Fourteenth. Yeah. So anyhow, um, just go back and check it out from uh, the thirtieth of April, I believe, and that that'll be the uh, the one about the the two short shots, the um, hinge and thump, and the firm handed scrape, and those are shots that you have to have in your arsenal. And those are shots that are, are to combat the way or, or to take advantage of the way the grass is growing, what direction, either away from you or toward you, whether it's going to uh, add friction or not add friction. But this is a game that is played exclusively on grass. Grass it's comes true. into play on every shot. I know. Isn't it just such a pain that we have to deal with this stuff? Because grasses are different. And like my buddy said, I'm not an agronomist. I don't know the difference between Bermuda and, well, I do know the difference between Bermuda and bluegrass, but that because Bermuda is totally different. Um, but there are so many different kinds of grass, and each one has its own characteristics, especially for, for shots out of the fairway. You got to know what the fairway is made of, basically. Don't you? It's really helpful. Right? So we will. And uh, so I look at it like this. Okay. Whether it's Bermuda or zoysia or bent or bluegrass, I'm looking for resistance. Mm-hmm. I either have it or I don't. So if the grass is growing with the direction of your swing in the same direction, you'll feel very little to no resistance. But if it's growing against you, you'll feel a lot of resistance and then you got to deal with it. Okay. So that's the case. Deal with it. Like I just mentioned, the ball's a little bit more forward. Use the sole plate a little better and less leading edge dig. Right. Okay. Whether it be full swing out of the fairway or not, but just feel what the ground is that you're going to be dealing with because it, that interaction from club to ball to turf has a serious impact on your golf shots. Right. So, when so we even come if right, you can't identify the grass type, because not many of us are agronomists, right. at least you can identify the feel of what's going on down there with a practice swing. And the good news is that most scorecards will tell you they'll they'll usually list the name of the superintendent and the type of grass they have. That's the yeah. way it works. So we're going to come back. We're going to talk about uh, different types of grass and and how to attack them properly. We are those weekend golf guys. It's the only thing, the only thing more exciting than watching grass grow is talking about it. We'll be right back.
Hi, everyone, and welcome. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. They'll tell you if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. 800-905-7124 now. I'm here with spokesman for the firm, John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call in. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here with you. We always enjoy answering the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident that was not your fault, give us a call right now. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions and tell you how much your case is potentially worth. Call 800-905-7124. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now to speak with a live agent for free. Call 800-905-7124. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. It is us, those weekend golf guys. We talking grass, watching it grow, feeling it grow, knowing how it grows is going to be so important to how you can actually play the game. I'm John Ashton in studio. He is Jeff Smith. He is en route in transit. Uh, we're talking to him uh, behind the wheel of his car. He's multitasking. Don't tell the state police. Had a little story, man. There's a, a golf course here in town about almost 10 years ago now. We had a very, very warm April. The, the fairways were all Bermuda grass. And, of course, it was dormant and brown and ugly during the wintertime, uh, which is a topic we will address here in a minute. It came back to life in April because it was so warm and so wet and it was verdant and it was lush and it was plush and it was beautiful. And then about the first weekend in May, it snowed. <laughs> yeah. And it killed all the Bermuda grass. Yeah. They had to spend over $250,000 reseeding the golf course, and it really has never come back. It's such a difficult thing because you know we're in the transition zone in southern Indiana through Kentucky and Tennessee, which means Bermuda grass can live, zoysia grass can live, and bent grass can live. But it's not a good, healthy environment for any of them because a southern grass this far north can survive until all of a sudden it gets too cold quickly. Right. Right. Because it can't go back to dormancy. So it's not like the ground temperatures are cool and then it just starts to slowly shut down and go dormant. It all of a sudden got so cold. It's like, it's like taking something and throwing it in the freezer yeah. real quick. Yep. And that Southern grass says, man, I can't handle that. I'm done. I'm out. That's right. Take me back back right. home to Alabama. I ain't doing now, this. <laughs> I remember when I was in North Carolina, and it's it's really good for Bermuda grass down there. Yeah. And the farther south you go, it's really hard on bent grass, which yeah. is more of a northern grass. Right. So when it got disgustingly hot down in North Carolina, the bent grass suffers. Right. So you got to cool it off and they're out there, you know, they call it syringing the greens, right? They're just spraying water on it mm -hmm. because they're trying to cool it down. And, you know, it's difficult because the amount of water needed to cool it down sometimes gets to be too much. And then all of a sudden you got the problem of if it didn't drain off well enough or too slowly, now all of a sudden you have the problem of the three things that never get along well heat water and bent grass and oddly <laughs> enough the heat doesn't stop 
<laughs> during the day and the water doesn't evaporate fast enough. So guess what loses? The bent grass. <laughs> it's always the bent grass, right? So that's kind of how this goes. We're in this transition zone in the country. All the superintendents and all the golf courses are faced with this problem of, okay, what kind of grass can we put that can stand the greatest chance of survival and health for the longest period of time and cost us the least amount of money and still provide a good playing surface for the players. Right. It's hard. So yeah. that's why these companies, these, I guess you call them chemical companies, I suppose they're out there trying to create different grasses mm-hmm. and you see these turf nurseries all over the South where they're trying to create some hybrid of grass that's hardy enough to withstand some cool and hardy enough to withstand some heat. And when they, they'll get there, but they keep going at it. And when they finally get this right, it'll be pricey. <laughs> there, there's a, a couple of golf courses here in town. Uh, one of which is the country club that I live about 500 yards away from that have uh-huh. uh, used a new bluegrass hybrid. And oh. It stays green all year long. Oh boy. And it looks beautiful. Even, even, you know, when it's covered with snow, the snow melts and there's this lush green carpet underneath it. And that's kind of cool, isn't it? Yeah. And it, and it works really well, man. But as far as, as the best palette for hitting a golf ball, right. Is is it Bermuda? Because there seem to be so many golf courses that use Bermuda, even those that are, are not in the South and really shouldn't be using Bermuda. All right. So let's think about it. The best is a lot like we just talked about temperature wise, right? But Bermuda right. grass, there's some strands of Bermuda grass that, man, you can grow it on a cart path. You can grow <laughs> it on the driveway. Okay. You know, you can, you can grow it in the parking lot. You can't <laughs> stop this stuff from growing, right? <laughs> and so that means that the superintendent doesn't use as much grass seed, right? And they have right. to sprig it. They, they kind of, you know, make some holes in the ground and put in these little yeah. pre-growth things, you know, and they, and, uh, and it just fills in and grows like wildfire yeah. and it's hard to kill it off unless of course <laughs> it gets too cold. Right. Exactly. So for a lot of reasons in this transition zone, golf courses are opting for Bermuda, even though it has the risk of what you just started the conversation with was bam, here's this golf course. Right. They got this snow in May and then boom, they're in for quarter mil. Yeah. But it, right. But that is not something that happens a lot. So in the long run, it's probably less expensive than to go with Bermuda. Yeah. That's what, that's what I'm getting at is they're, yeah. they're opting for that because the odds of it happening are slim. And so they're, they're basically gambling in that direction. And there's another question I wanted to ask too. You were talking about syringing the greens. Yeah. Is is that why, uh, especially in the middle of summertime, uh, on a very busy Friday afternoon, suddenly you'll see the sprinklers come on? That's exactly why. Okay. Because so don't get pissed if, off about that, guys, okay? No. Look, if they don't come on when it gets hot like that, you're not going to be putting on real grass tomorrow. I'm not kidding. I mean, I'm literally talking tomorrow. That stuff dies quick. Yeah. It's, when a green goes, it you know, goes immediately, man. It goes so fast. Yeah. So, guys, don't get all bent out of shape because you want your golf course to not lose its greens. So you can't have it both ways. Right. Right. 
You can't sit there and go, I want it perfect conditions when I go out and play. Why can't they just turn those sprinklers on it in the morning? Or why don't they just water the greens at night? Exactly. Um, yeah. Evaporation and heat. Right. Remember, folks, bent grass and heat do not get along. Right. Heat <laughs> always wins. Okie dokie. Yes. I just got to cool it down. I just ask them not to turn it on while I'm standing on it. Well, you know, that's all. But again, there's sometimes look <laughs> in, in a lot of these newer irrigation systems, right? It's all remote control. They plug in the time. They see what the temps are going to be. Right. They turn them on. So they cool down, you know, before they get all heated up and then they turn them on again by the time they get heated up. So, I mean, they're trying to do it a couple times. Yeah. And honestly, John, it's not the fact that the superintendent is waiting in the bushes for you to get near <laughs> one of the sprinkler things and then pushes his button. <laughs> It's not that way all the time. <laughs> Although I was it's playing with a woman some once. Some of the time. I was playing with a woman once who did accuse the superintendent of doing it on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> the, the wet golf shirt contest man was not cool in her estimation. But uh, I assure her that that's not what was going on. Plus the fact that when those sprinklers do come on, you've got about a 10 to 15 second period of time that you can hear them start to fire up when you can get off the green quickly. Yeah. You got to identify what that is though. Instead yeah. of looking around going, what's that noise? I wonder what's <laughs> going on here and just stand still. You're like, no, no, no. Uh, move boys. Move. Yeah. When, when you start hearing the gurgling and then followed by the. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Guess what folks, <laughs> you're about to get wet. Oh yeah. That's by what... the way, that water that initially comes out, has been sitting in those pipes for a little while. Yeah. And generally speaking, doesn't smell all that good. Right. <laughs> Just pointing not, that out, folks. Yeah, not something you really want to shower with. Trust no, me on that. Yeah. It's not. And then no, and then not. the irrigation ponds, that doesn't necessarily mean they're the cleanest things you've ever seen. Yeah. Let's just keep this in mind. You so, know, and that's that's something else too. When you when you start complaining about the cost of greens fees. Depending on the conditions, the meteorological conditions, the part of the country this golf course is in, you can be paying millions of dollars for water to keep a golf course green. Oh, yeah. yeah. It isn't cheap. The pumps that run those things, right? These big, gigantic pump houses that you see on the golf course. If you walked in there and saw that big, gigantic motor in there and you saw these big pipes coming out of this thing and you see the pond and then... You know, toward middle of the summer, you see how low the pond gets. You better start paying attention going, oh, because, yeah. you know, that superintendent water management is his biggest job. You might think it's the bunkers. It's not. It's water management. Yeah. Because if you can keep... manage your water supply, you can keep your golf course alive. And keeping a golf course alive means that the cash register is still going to ring. Because the only thing worse than paying too much in your estimation is paying for a golf course where there's no grass. Yeah, because because you're going to pay for that one for a while. If that's yeah. the only one around and everybody's trying to do it, you know, and, and raise cane about the prices. Next thing you know, what do they start cutting? Everything. And then when the and then you still have the most expensive thing and it's that irrigation. That's not cheap. When the uh, feedback on a golf course is it's a total waste of a great cow pasture. Um, you you may want to <laughs> may want to rethink it. Uh, grass. Yeah. How to approach it, how to play on it, what what grass should you look for? Uh, we'll talk more when we come right back. We are those weekend golf guys.
And if you're one of those companies that stayed open during COVID, I have some great news for you. Government funds are available to reward companies who stayed open during that challenging time. It's not a loan. You don't have to pay it back. Your hard work to stay open could qualify you for up to $26,000 per employee at refundsasap.com. That's refundsasap.com. You heard that right. Up to $26,000 per employee. This program is complicated, but nobody knows more about it than the tax experts at refundsasap.com. You pay nothing up front. They do all the work. Then they share a percentage of the cash they get you. Businesses of all types, including nonprofits and churches, can qualify, including those who took PPP loans. If you have five or more employees, let refundsasap.com help you get up to $26,000 per employee. Visit refundsasap.com. That's refundsasap.com. Refundsasap.com. It is Ask Those Weekend Golf Guys. I'm John Ashton. He is Jeff Smith. We're talking grass. The grass. What, what grass do you prefer to play on? Yeah. I grew up in the north. I prefer bank grass. Okay. Right? Because it grows straight up and down. If it and grows it, straight up and down, why do they call it bent? You know, I don't know. Okay. Good uh, Good question. <laughs> um, you should probably look that up and Google it for the rest of you out there. <laughs> right? I don't have a clue why they call it bent grass if it's growing straight up and down. But it does, right? Okay. I like, uh, I like bluegrass rough and bent grass fairways, which okay. makes me the typical golfer from the north. Right. Because we have lots of that. You know, we used to love it when we'd hit like short iron shots and wedge shots that were full swings. We'd take these beaver pelts out and they go flipping end over end down the fairway. We walk back and pick up this slab that's about, you know, as, as long as your, you know, half your forearm and we'd stick it back in the ground and we'd say, yeah, right? Like that was a big thing. That just means that the ground's pretty dang soft yeah. and they probably put too much water on it. <laughs> right. Cause we're not out there trying to make that happen, but when it does, you're like, yeah, that's kind of cool. You saw it for years on the PJ tour, right? When they overwatered stuff, Yep. you'd see these guys just wailing away at these short irons and you'd see the ball kind of come off, but you couldn't really see the ball because the divot was there, right? right? And divot's the thing that camera shows. It's flipping down the fairway. Caddy runs out in front, tosses it back, and the other guy's, you know, putting it back in. Uh, you know, it's kind of fun to watch. But then you go realize, well, why did that happen? Because the ground was too soft. Right. Now they're understanding a lot more about how to manage the water and how to, to deal with some parts of the golf course that are, you know, low-lying, because that's clearly where all the water is going to go mm-hmm. and how we irrigate the drier parts of the golf course a little bit to kind of level that off. So you don't have these hot spots and you don't have these dead spots and you don't have these bushy spots that you can't figure it all out. Right. So just keep that in mind that they're all trying to figure this stuff out. And it's something and, you have uh, to be aware of consistently. Oh yeah, you do. I mean, you just don't, you know, jump on the tractor and go mow the grass and that's that. I mean, you have to pay attention. Have to pay attention. Is there any mold growing on a green anywhere? Did it get too wet at one point and not, not drain fast enough? Um, you know, are, are there too many bugs living in the, in the greens? Uh, I mean, there's all kinds of stuff that the superintendents and the, the guys who, uh, you know, maintain the course have to be aware of that takes time, costs money. And, and if they training. don't do it right, you're 
you're you're short one more place to play golf. Yeah, you know these guys that take care of the grass, they have far more value to the golfers. And half the time, the golfers are complaining because they exist on the golf course. Yeah, the golfers are really hard to handle. I mean, literally, if you're a golf course superintendent, you're always at 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 odds with the golf professional and the golfer. Why? Your job is to make that piece of property as clean and pristine and healthy all the time as possible. And the golf pro's job is to get as many golfers on that thing to tear it up as, as you can. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yep. So if you ask a, a room full of superintendents who irritates them more, the golfer or the golf pro to get some more golfers out there, they'll probably say it's the golfers. <laughs> okay. Because they understand at least the golf pro's job is to do that. But the golfers, they get them out there and they watch what they do. They drive their golf carts in places that they have to go fix because they're driving in the low areas. It doesn't matter whether they put the sa- the signs out there that says, keep carts on the path this hole. Right. You know darn well that there's people out there going, that doesn't apply to me. I'm going to drive wherever I want. And That's then it. they make these ruts and they get the cart stuck. And now they got a mess. And now all of a sudden the superintendent has to go fix that. And that's his pride and joy out there in the golf course is somebody's just ripping up. So yeah. how about some, you know, how about some Yahoo driving a golf cart right through your front yard? You happy about that? No, you're not happy about that. Well, all. that's the way superintendents feel about their golf courses, mm-hmm. right? That's their baby. Yeah. They care about what's going on. So they're trying to make this grass as healthy as possible, as perfect as we can, because of course, every spring, every golfer gets this unrealistic expectation going because they watched the masters (laughs) (laughs) and they come back and they see where they're playing and they go, our superintendent's the worst guy ever (laughs) because that's the comparison. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It happens all the time. Right. Yeah, exactly. So these guys have to deal with not only the golfers, but mother nature. Mm-hmm. Right. Like we mentioned, rain, not rain, heat, cold, what's killing their property, what's killing their, their baby, right? What's killing their professional reputation? Oh, I don't know. That golf course over there, that guy lost his greens last year. Maybe it didn't have anything to do with what that guy did. Yeah. Right. It wasn't like, oh no, they lost their greens because maybe heat. Well, what if they what if they lost their water supply or their pump went bad in the summertime? Mm-hmm. Oh my. Eric yeah, could could That's, just be it was superintendent versus Mother Nature. Mother Nature's gonna win every once in a while. Yeah, Mother Nature throws some pretty serious haymakers out there, let me tell you. Certainly. <laughs> she certainly does. And she she is a a total um well, what word can I use on the radio? She she is uh, she's under control. Often under control. Oftentimes <laughs> she she does it just to test you, you know, um, on purpose. Yeah. But I mean the the golf course in my neighborhood. Uh, we had two weeks ago. We had uh, probably about four to five inches of rain over a two day period, uh-huh. and the, the cart path from the number eight green to the number nine T was totally underwater. Uh, mm. You know, the, the, the reservoir is very close to that part of the course also. 
and it was flooded big time. And I could just see the superintendent was like, let's get out and bail, boys, please. You know? Right. Because this this can't be healthy. And it was like that for almost a day and a half before the waters receded totally. Yeah. And there's another golf yeah. course in town here that reminds me of of the stories about ancient Egypt where the Nile used to overflow because every three or four years, the Ohio river floods and this golf course is right along the banks of the Ohio river. Right. And, Cause they can put a golf course there because they can't put houses there. Right. And when it floods, right. it's, it's, it's a, a lake or, or an extension, a, a wide extension of the river. Yeah. And you know, the river water is not the cleanest and nope. leaves you know, a bunch of silt all over the place. Yeah, but when it recedes, <laughs> but when it recedes, man, uh, you know, three weeks later, it's it's the greenest part of the city. Yeah, but because <laughs> the grass can handle that part, the yeah. kind of grass that can grow there really thrives there. Yeah, yeah, and they do the right. They use the you know northern grasses that they can handle the the cooler temperatures handle the water. and more water. And. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they do it right. They do it upright, but, but still it's so but dependent. Right. There's some grasses that just are, you know, a lot, they, they couldn't handle bent grass. I guarantee you that yeah. bent grass, that doesn't, uh, -uh it drowns, but yeah. you know, bluegrass and whatnot, that's, yeah, that's pretty easy. Right. You can handle that. Bluegrass is pretty tough stuff. Zoysia also goes dormant when it gets cold, doesn't it? It does. I kind of like playing off dormant zoysia. The ball sits up like it's on this Brillo pad. I know. It's, it's really hard to mess it up. I know. It looks like a Brillo pad. It feels like a Brillo pad. But yeah, you're right. Yeah. It sits up very nicely, man. Yeah, right. It's hard to, it's like it's always on a little tee. Yeah. It's just soft enough that you can get the club driven right through there without any trouble at all. And the ball's always propped up. So you're always catching it. You know, even if you think you're going to hit it thin, you really don't because the grass gives away. It's just soft enough. And it's like, wow, this is easy. Mm hmm. Now, someone told me that zoysia is more like a weed than it is grass. Well, and look, a definition of a weed is any any plant that's out of place. Okay. Right? So it that's the thing. If you said we have uh, bent grass fairways here, and then there's a patch of zoysia, they don't call it a patch of zoysia. They call it a weed. Weed, yeah. Yeah. Right? So, I mean, you, you kind of look at it that way. That's the definition of a weed is any plant you don't want in that spot. Gotcha. Okay. You know, right. but it grows, it grows well. It's almost like, like you're talking oh, about yeah. the, the, the Bermuda. It, it grows the same way. Almost like kudzu, man. Oh yeah. Now kudzu. Wow. That's a whole new thing. <laughs> kudzu, you can actually, you can actually see it grow. You can, it grows so fast that you can watch kudzu move. It's crazy. Yep. I can't believe, well, if kudzu ever got tough enough to get through the Appalachian mountains and how cold it gets there, mm -hmm. the North would be devastated like the South gets can get. That's right. One thing about kudzu that I learned is kind of creepy. It goes dormant in the wintertime, yeah. but it will not turn green and start to grow again until the last frost. So even if you have like an Indian summer deal, uh-huh, or an Indian winter, whatever, where, you know, you, you get a bunch of frost and then it gets warm again. The kudzu will not. not yeah, that's kind of creepy because that means it's got some sort of artificial intelligence going on it, there. That it knows. Yeah. How does it know? I don't know. But don't it's know. Japanese. So, you know, 
they're pretty inscrutable, those Japanese. Yeah. You know. yeah. We've got more grass talk. We'll be right back. We are those weekend golf guys. Message and data rates may apply. Come on, one more rep. You got this. Ten. There it is. Nice work, man. You're a beast. Thanks, man. I feel better than I have in years. And I got to tell you, taking Nugenics makes a huge difference for me. Nugenics? That's the uh, testosterone booster with TV ads with Frank Thomas. The big hurt, right? Oh, yeah. The patented key ingredient is Testafin, which helps boost free testosterone levels and increase lean muscle mass. Well, it's clearly working for you. Hey, are they still giving out complimentary bottles for people to try for themselves? Yeah, Nugenics is a great way to increase lean muscle and feel stronger with more energy and endurance. Man, I need to get a complimentary bottle of Nugenics. No problem. You just got to send them a text. Text SPARK to 321321 right now for your complimentary bottle of Nugenics, the number one selling free testosterone booster at GNC. Plus, text now and we'll include a bottle of new Nugenics Thermo, our most powerful fat incinerator ever, to help get you back into shape fast, absolutely free. Text SPARK to 321321. That's SPARK to 321321. Of course, we have a Facebook page, facebook.com slash golf guys. We would love it if you were to go there and like us, facebook.com slash golf guys. It is us, those weekend golf guys, time together yet. Yes, we have. Let's make sure we understand this grass stuff now. We're talking Bermuda and Zoysia, basically southern grasses. They go dormant when it starts getting cold. Do they yeah. ever go dormant in Florida or Bermuda? I've never seen it. Far enough south, that stuff is, they, you know, all these northern people going south, they're Playing on green grass the whole time. There's yep. no dormant anything there. I was going to say, and then we got bent grass and uh, bluegrass in the north. Yeah. They don't go dormant, do they? Not to my knowledge. Okay. They just get up there and get snow on it and can handle it. Yeah. Now, they tend to get a little snow mold and some fungus growing on them in the, you know, you know in the north that get these, you know, big snow packs. You know, they got to worry about snow mold and they got to worry about other stuff. Right. It's tough to grow grass, you know, good turf grass, really good stuff to play off of, you know, when it's too cold and all of a sudden it's got too, you know, snow packs on there for too long. And, you know, it's tough. Never want to be a superintendent. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it's a thankless job, actually. Um, that, might, that might be the nicest way to describe it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when, when they plant the grass initially, do they do it like, do they sod it or? I saw saw one golf course here in town that was being built in a subdivision. They had the seed already in a, a liquid stuff. The seeds had already begun to sprout, basically. Yeah. And they just Isn't that interesting? And they just sprayed it. They just drove down the fairway and sprayed it, just painting it green. Well, you know, you know interestingly enough, right, there's fertilizer in that too, right? So they have figured out all these people that know how to grow grass. They've figured out what combination of fertilizer and seed and, you know, time to put something down, you know, temperature wise, what do you do with the turf, how the turf is going to accept the seed. Um, it, it's unbelievable. The science and the, um, and the, the training and the, the learning that's gone on over the years and how fast they can get grass to grow. Yeah. It's crazy how these guys are so smart. Another question that pops up that some of us may be thinking, and, and I'll ask because I'm sure other people are thinking it also, but you know, there, there are 
golf courses that ask you to replace the divots. Yes. But there are also golf courses that ask you not to. Yes. They ask you instead to pour that concoction of sand and seed that you're carrying on the cart in the divot itself. Why? Right. What's the difference? Okay. So uh, sometimes it has to do with the golf course's budget. Okay. All right. So let's say that the golf course itself doesn't have a big budget. They want you to replace the divots, even though they also know that many of the divots won't grow on their own, but many will. Okay. Right. And some of the reason that many of the divots won't grow on their own is because people take a really skinny, shallow divot and they're basically just cutting hair off the top of the head. Right. And they don't take the roots with it. Yeah. Those will grow back. But the ones that people are gouging and ripping out the roots, good luck with growing that one back. Gotcha. Okay. Now, here's the other thing. A lot of divots don't stay in the in the hole that the you know the divot is the chunk of grass or the divot uh, is the the hole in the ground that you made right so they mm-hmm. they kind of look at it both ways right let's call it the divot that is the chunk of grass that flew out and then you go and replace it a lot of times that doesn't grow back because then they go mow the grass the next day mm-hmm. and the mower catches that divot and chops it all up because it got caught in the blades of mower and then just got all destroyed. So then you got nothing, right? Okay. Gotcha. And now some of the golf courses, and that's true for some, you know, it's not true for all of them who asked you to replace the divots. Some golf courses that have this seed sand mix on their golf carts. Mm-hmm. All right. So what they do is they, they mix in a, a in a pile sand and you know, a little bit of fertilizer and some seed right. to, so it'll grow on its own. Right. But they can't do it in a gigantic pile because then it sits for too long and the grass starts to grow in the gigantic pile. Right. So what they do is they somewhat are estimating how many people are going to use those little sand divot buckets, you know, mm-hmm. or the little, or the little bottles that you pour. Right. Yeah. Right. And they put some in there estimating but by the time the golfer uses all of those the seed won't be growing in the bottle itself okay. <laughs> we will be ready because, to grow when it hits the ground right but yeah. and that's the thing it's kind of a gamble right. but see here's the thing is the warmer that they get those bottles essentially become little greenhouses yeah. for this seed fertilizer sand mixture and then they sprout a little quicker so it's pretty interesting how that all plays out, but there's people out there trying it. And, you know, if they can get the, the golfer to help them take care of the golf course as good as they can, yeah, they can be pretty successful. Yeah, but, that's yeah, also so why they, they ask you to fix the, the ball marks on the greens too, because those things can. Oh, they I mean, take you, forever. You start losing grass on a green and you're, you're screwed, man. Well, you really are. And then, then what always happens is, is that when, you know, this is, this is how golfers complain effectively about golf courses, but they're really, truly not understanding. They're really complaining about the other golfers in front of them is when pitch marks go unfixed, that grass is dead before the superintendent can get anybody out there to fix them and mow the grass the next day. Right. 
and then there's a little puck mark, right? And they could level it off and smooth it out, and it's still a little puck mark. And then the golfers see these bunch of little pock marks on these greens, and then they go complaining, man, this golf course is always torn up. And they say stupid things like that, thinking it's the golf course's problem. Like they think that for the 40 bucks that they paid, that there should be somebody sitting on the edge of the green or you know off to the side. And every pitch mark that goes along, that somebody for the, that works for the golf course ought to go over there and fix that pitch mark for them right. so that it's never a pock mark on the green. Right. You know, they have this unrealistic expectation because you see not enough people teach enough people, the etiquette and the real reason for the etiquette of playing golf. Yeah. The real reason is you should leave the golf course in better condition than you found it, meaning the bunkers and the divots and the pitch marks on the greens, because you all want the same thing. You all want it in as good a shape as you can get it right? and pay less for it. Exactly. exactly. This, is, this is the thing, but golfers just get selfish. No, no, I paid my 40 bucks. I'm going to do whatever I want. I'm going to drive this golf cart wherever I want to. You know, for my 40 bucks, I'm going to take my pound of grass <laughs> instead of mm-hmm. a pound of flesh, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to take my pound of grass out of this. And next time I come back here, it ought to be fixed and perfect. Yeah. You know, they get, yeah. they get that way. It's too bad, but they get that way. So golfers need to be taught a little bit how to take care of the thing and the reason you take care of it. Because if you want it to be as good a condition as you can find it in the next time you go play, that's your job to do it while you're there playing and to help others. When we're playing a lot of golf as, you know, younger back in the day, it's always fix your pitch mark and one more. I do more than that. Now I'm fixing about five every green I get, I get to. You have to, because you're the only one doing it. I know that's what I found. It's kind of, yeah. I mean, it's kind of embarrassing a little bit, but anyhow, we, um, we have covered grass just as the grass covers the course. The biggest lesson I think that, that we can take away from this is do not lose your patience this summer at three in the afternoon when you're out on hole number 15 and the guy's out there with the hose spraying it down. It's either that you wait a couple of minutes and you let him do that or tomorrow that green won't be there. So, so I have this one suggestion okay. when you see the maintenance guys out there doing this, actually two suggestions. When you see them out there doing their job, wait patiently, let them finish. Yeah. It's far more important for that two or three minutes to go by with you hanging on waiting than it is to just rifle a ball up there when that guy's trying to do his job that saves the greens that you want to play on. Right. And the other suggestion that I have is when you come across those guys, smile and wave and say thanks because you, you ever watch the clothing those guys wear when it's really hot and something's nasty out? They're still wearing pants. They're still wearing long sleeves yep. because they deal with grass and they also deal with poison ivy and poison oak, and sumac, and all these weed rashes that they get from using their weed trimmers. And they're sweating their heads off out there to make the golf course as good as you can. So when you see these maintenance guys out there, smile and wave and say thank you because without those fellas out there doing that job in the nasty heat you're playing on a goat ranch 
And so, that course you love will not one. be there the next time you go out to play some golf. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.